Hey, folks. Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, it's good to see you, man. How you doing? Good, good. It's, it's, it's good to see me. It's good to see you. But more than anything, Sean, there's someone Lions fans are really, really happy to see. And you know who that is. Is that, uh, is that Jared Goff? Is he is he no it's longer Scott the Daly? It's the long snapper Scott Daly. Come is he on, no man. longer the bridge? Is he no longer the bridge quarterback? Because I saw, I think the man you're referring to, of course, is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, said he was coming back. And some of the response I saw last night from some of the national media is, I wonder if this means golf will be the starter again next year, and is he no longer the bridge quarterback? Used for some national analysts. It was it was uh, it was interesting. Well, that's not, you know what. Here's the thing, right? Is is the as I've told you, Sean. You know, Detroit is as uh, nationally the way we're considered in Detroit is a uh, northern Cincinnati, an uh, eastern Cleveland. People places people don't want to come. We never saw any national media come to the Lions to do stories and interviews. So all this hype. You know, I think it's a little bit um, the perspective skewed. It's very. I think we have a different perspective of it in Detroit nationally. People don't really know much about the Lions still. You know, they haven't gotten their due. And that's the kind of silliness that leads to that is, boy, is Jared Goff, you know, he, he actually played okay. And is, this, is he going to be? That issue has been decided long ago. So, uh, yeah, of course he's not going to be. Well, in fairness, it was just it was just a couple of places. I saw it in most of the news. And, and since the last month of the season, really over the last month of the season, I've seen lots of national love for this team. Uh, obviously, a lot of it has to do with Campbell and his personality, but the winning. But I, but I, I'm again. I'm going to push back. No, this is not Cincinnati. This is uh, nationally people. I, I'm talking. That's right. That's what I'm saying. There, are people out there have an understanding that this team is lost for a long time. They understand mm-hmm. Detroit being the. Uh, being the stepchild of the country, and um, and they they they, they <laughs> wait wait can we get that on the license plate, Detroit, uh, the country stepchild? Yeah, they they have a sense of that. That's why they're. I I think that's. I mean, obviously, Campbell had a lot to do with the uh, the love that the Lions got the last month outside of this region, but but a part of it too is the history, the losing history of this this franchise, and the context of the city. So people, it's an underdog, right? I mean, that, that's why all that talk about. Outside of Detroit, all that talk about wow, if the Lions get on a run, they're going to be America's team. It's because of the history. I mean, right? I mean, that that's how this works. And then if you start winning for a while, then that fades away. The Braves were fun to use to go to your sport. They were fun. They had those great pitchers, and then they started winning too much, and people were like, eh, it's it's amazing how that works, you know? They'll never. I mean, let's just be real. Uh, first of all, I'm going to text Mike Ulrich, your your good buddy. I'm going to tell him to change it from Soul of Detroit, his podcast, to Detroit America's Stepchild. Um, but, uh, but you know, Detroit's never going to be America's team. I mean, come on. We're... It's a cute story. It's an, it's, it's an underdog thing. And it, just the Lions ever got on a roll. It's just... People just... It, it's such a... You know, Detroit is such a... Um, unique city right now in america people have a hard time understanding really what it is because they all they can really tell you is cars once upon a time they could tell you about motown but they just don't have a firm grasp of like well that's what is the it first about? thing people think about i i think a lot of people think about well not it depends on the cars. age no i think a lot of people think about uh crime and not, uh, fairly or not, right? And not uh, anymore, not as much anymore. Well, no, I mean, not maybe not recently, but of a certain age. I mean, it's funny. You were talking about Mike Elric and the Soul of Detroit. By the way, Soul of Detroit, isn't that 
incredibly presumptuous and even pretentious. <laughs> Three white dudes in a basement in in uh, a suburb of Detroit. Okay, it's the suburb happens to be right next to the to the city limits, but still, isn't that pretty presumptuous? I love it. It's and, and, it's and, perfect, and, and I'm part of it. I mean, I I take part of it. I, I you know, it's like sitting there watching a watching somebody get their purse stolen and not doing anything and just saying, okay, I'm not going to get involved. That's me. I'm complicit in this uh, travesty of pretentiousness. Yeah. Oh, there's another good name for the podcast. Travesty of pretentiousness. That's <laughs> or, or the name of Mike's uh, next uh, garage band, but yeah, no, no, no. Mike's still in the purse and you and Fellhauer are taking some, a few bucks out of the, out of the till there. So yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't, compl- I, I mean, how can I complain? Well, I'm complicit. You know what I mean? I've, <laughs> I, uh, I I I said my piece a, a while ago. I don't even know when, why I brought this up to be, to be. Oh, we were actually talking about this on Soul of Detroit. If you if we can handle a little cross promotion here about the idea of um, uh, Mike uh, had written a really good piece about the Q line and how you know it's sort of the the two thousands version, the aughts. Well, I guess it was after the aughts, the the two thousand teens version of the People Mover with, with the sort of you know the metaphor where what went uh nowhere right the the, the city that's going nowhere, nowhere yeah, yeah the, the people move over to nowhere and the queue line are the same in any case we're talking about the queue line and in the comment section which he doesn't read by the way he doesn't believe in reading the comment section we're full of a lot of people uh who would say you know they would never go down to detroit right a lot of metro detroiters who won't go to detroit and some even former detroiters and we were kind of talking about that dynamic and uh, i don't know the that dynamic is understood outside of this region and the nuance that people around here understand it. But, um, but there is, there's some sense of that, uh, around, around the country that's left over from the seventies and the eighties, but you're right with young people. They don't, they probably don't think about Detroit that way at all. No, I, I don't nationally that does not have it. You know, I mean, you know, you and I travel enough, you know, we know enough, we lived enough different places, you know, we know people in different cities and countries even, yeah, people just, I mean, for, for the better, you know, Detroit has lost that murder capital association. So, um, yeah, they think of it. Why are we even talking about this? I'm what? not sure. I just, I told the last time I was, over, <laughs> the last time I was going to say the last time I was overseas. Golf is America's quarterback. Overseas, like it's not. Detroit's like not I go be overseas all the time. It's never going to be America's city. It's just not going to happen. No, no it's, not gonna be Amer- it's not going to be America's city, but it does speak to a few things that Americans love. And that is the underdog. The, the the can do the try hard and this team has some of that and in the context of the city the city absolutely has that especially for people our age or older and probably even 10 15 years younger with young people you're right it's they're different associations but i went i saw some family in europe a few years ago and whenever people would want to know where i'm from and whenever i would say i, I live outside of detroit because i don't want to be one of those folks that say well i'm from you know i'm from detroit because I'm, I'm not from l.a but uh, yeah, I live in a suburb outside of Detroit. It's actually a city outside of Detroit. It's not a suburb. But uh, yeah, Ann Arbor is a weird place that way. In any case, how is it not a suburb? They would uh, because it's it's, it's it's its own city, and I think it's just far enough. You could call it an exurb, I guess, if you want to. You would you should know about that. You grew up in an exurb. L.A. is full of exurbs. <laughs> Twenty million people, man. You can't all cram them into the same city. We, all go, we all go eat at the same uh, at the Peach Pit with uh, Brandon and Dylan. So, oh, I like that the the, the Peach. But anyway, After people go surfing. People would perk up and um and and want to talk about it, and they had ideas about Detroit, and that's true when I travel around this country too. Now, I'm not saying they're all good ideas, but yeah, you, you know how it is. If you when you tell people who you work for 
or where you're from that you live in this area, yeah, people are usually interested because they have a lot of preconceived ideas about the city. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and one of them is that the lion, as you know, your favorite quote from Ozark is the lions suck and they'll always suck, and that's what people believe. It's about inevitable, the right? Yeah, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And it'll, you know, even when they've had a little, I mean, let's listen, they've had a little bit of winning, right? They've been to the playoffs. They've had Stafford, Calvin, Barry, all this stuff. They've had these little glimmers, but um, it doesn't stick because, you know, to change that perception, you have to become the Patriots or the Steelers or something like that. So it's going to be, and by the way, I had one question from a reader who, uh, an email a few days ago, who said, uh, when are we going to become, when are the Lions going to become the the Ravens. When is it? When are we going to have this uninterrupted string of winning? This fifteen year glory period. When? How and when is that going to happen? And it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard for any team to do that in the NFL, especially. But until that happens, yeah, we're the Lions are always just going to be the lovable losers who maybe have a glimmer here and there. Well, what's interesting, Carlos, and I don't know what you thought. Um... We were texting about this a little bit last night, but so Ben Johnson, getting back to Ben Johnson after eight minutes of uh, nonsense from us. <laughs> sorry about that, listener. But I'm I know you've, you've probably come to expect that uh, from us, uh, you know. So we're trying to meet that demand of uh, of silliness. <laughs> In any case, yeah. So Ben Johnson's coming back. He he was a front runner. It was reported for Carolina. He interviewed with two other places at what the Colts and um, uh, Denver. No, the Colts and uh, another team. I can't think. Houston, oh, Houston, Texas. Houston, yeah, yeah. Um, in any case, so it was a legitimate opportunity over there for them. He decides he's got, I think the quote is unfinished business. Uh, which yes. is whatever. Um, I, I I didn't think well, we can hey, talk just about don't, don't let's not spread that around because I'm I'm angry I, about it. I didn't ahead. think you're always angry. I didn't think uh um he, he was gonna go and we can we can talk oh. about it. Okay, I told yeah, you right. that. I told you're you. right. You're right. I told you we were texting about it, and I you triggered I, I've me. Told and I told you, let's save it for the show. I've told you this for several weeks. I didn't think it was. And it, we'll talk about this in a minute. But I want to get your take uh, uh, on the reaction last night because speaking of this idea of the Ravens and the sustained success and the fan reaction here, people were a lot of a lot of Lions fans last night that I could see on social media. Again, I know that's just a, a percentage, but they were stunned in, in, a, in a really positive way and they're like is this really the end of us being us are we really turning yeah. a corner here that we can keep somebody this is one of the hottest coaching candidates out there and we kept him and that's what they're thinking right like oh my god this is better than any free agent we're going to sign in the offseason yes. yes. and so but but the reaction to that last night people were like wow maybe we really are changing i mean what what what, what, what do you think Okay, so so you know the thing is that it is things are changing, but it it really has nothing to do with the Lions. It's just luck. It's 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 dumb luck because NFL owners are dumb. And Ben Johnson, uh, you know he he comes off more as like a financial advisor than an NFL head coach. And I mentioned this in the column the other day. This is one of the reasons that Dan Campbell will probably always have a job in the NFL because he feels like a football coach. He is football personified. He's what, you know, billionaire NFL owners don't know anything about football, but they want to feel good about who they hire. And they want to feel like this guy knows what he's talking about. And I wrote this in the column about, you know, the things you can, you have to be concerned about. And one of them was Ben Johnson leaving and what could trip him up? Well, 
it is hard to get a job right out of the gate. He doesn't have a ton of like upper level experience, executive experience. So, you know, the interviews, how did they go? They were only virtual. He didn't do them in person. Um, so if they don't like his answers, if he doesn't come off cross the right way, you know, fiery, feisty, dynamic, strong leader, you never know what they're looking for. Um, I will say that it's stupid. These people, these, these three teams who probably are, you know, told him in so many ways, he and his agent, we're not going to hire you. You're not getting, you're not coming in for a second round of interviews. They're morons because you, when you're, he is so good at his job. When you think about it, when he took Jared Goff off the trash heap, he really had no stars on offense, lost his Pro Bowl tight end, uh, didn't have really an established run game, didn't have a lot going from other than that offensive line. The offensive line was the one thing that was, you know, an elite, an elite level unit in the NFL. You know, good players, but no stars, you know, no like DeAndre Hopkins type guys or Derek, not one guy that you could point to like, whoa, this guy you know, pro bowler, all pro, nothing like that. And he turned it into one of the best offenses in the NFL, fun to watch, exciting, productive. And they had the worst, one of the worst, well, the worst NFL defense by total yardage. And they still won nine games. This guy could basically go out, be be a head coach, hire the worst defensive coordinator he can find and still win nine games and flirt with the playoffs. So, this is the thing where he's not going to last long. Did we turn a corner? The Lions fans turn a corner is it happening well there's some luck involved here but i don't think ben johnson's going to be here very long so the good news is the momentum hopefully can continue into next year because you have him like you said sean number one free agent number one draft pick he it's ben johnson he's going to be making the biggest difference so i look ben johnson's really good but you're acting like he did this with nothing and won nine games when the fact that the defense changed in the second half of the season. He had one of the best two or three offensive lines in the league. He had a a, a, a nice short yardage back in Jamal Williams and solid complimentary receivers out there. You, you know, Hawkinson was a good player. I get it. And you know, you wrote that they were giving up on the season, by the way. I don't want to bring that up, though. I don't want to bring that up. Just like you wrote Ben Johnson was gone. I don't want to bring that up. I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But anyway, so that, that was my little pushback on uh, on your Ben Johnson love. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, I guess they could have just hired the, you know, the janitor to run the offense. You know, he he had all these stars and amazing pieces, and this defense played better in the second half. So, yeah, you know. Maybe yeah, the, right. the offense got better when Campbell took over last year. Look, I mean, uh, yeah, the, he was the passing game coordinator. Ben Johnson probably had a a, a fair amount to do with. No, there's Dan no, Campbell. there's there's no question. There's no question. But this is a, a, a God. I can't believe I'm actually say this, but it takes it takes several people. It takes uh, a lot of people, it's right? Village. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to say that exactly. <laughs> but to your point about you know them getting lucky, I don't know. I mean. Do you believe the reporting that he was a front runner for the Panthers job and that that didn't change and that he decided he wanted to stay? You never want to give anybody no. credit. You never want to actually say, yeah. all right, you you make a decision. So how would you like it? And every decision you ever made in your life, people are like, no, that's not it. I don't think so. You don't you don't believe that. I don't think so. It, that's what you you're know doing. What? You know what? It's it's just it's just such a it, it's it's a really naive idea to think that he wanted to come back. Just because he's got a soft spot for Detroit, that's not why he came wants back. to be here. I don't think that's why he came back with the Lions. Now, when you get a chance, they don't come around that often. When you are a hot coaching candidate and you get a chance 
to become a head coach in the NFL, you grab it. And the only reason that he didn't take it is because he could he could see the handwriting on the wall and knew that he wasn't going to be a finalist for this job for whatever reason. Whatever, even though jobs. reporting tells us that he was a finalist, and even by some reporting, the front runner for the Carolina job. Now maybe he, was he wasn't a, for the other jobs. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, who it's a reporting source? He's, the, he's not that. ready. He's not ready, and he's has enough self. This is my opinion. It's just an opinion. But to me, what makes a lot more sense is that he knows he's not ready. There are plenty of us that do that. I turned down an offer to come to the free press. I know it's not the same level two years before I did because I didn't think I was ready. There are lots of people that do that. You you, you know, you you yes, the money is great. And, and you think about that for a second. But if you think beyond just that, you're trying to think about the bigger picture and you want the best chance. He's been a coordinator for one year. One year. You think you really, you really think that he he's going to interview and say, I don't think I'm ready to be. No, a head coach. he would never say he's not going to, he's not going to say that. And of course he's going to interview because part of the process is in part of the learning process is interviewing. And maybe somebody would have thrown so much money at him that, it, that he would have had no choice, but to take it. But I think you this take was, any this head was coaching a, job. You've been, you've been in this business long enough, Sean, you know, you and don't I, take and, any and, head and coaching job. I hope you're job. just saying this for effect because you know, when there's a, when there's an opportunity to be a head coach in any sport, you grab that. Opportunity. No, you don't. And of coaches you do. do that all the time. You have, they turn if you don't down have that kind of confidence in yourself, you don't even belong anywhere near a court or a rink or a field. If you don't think you can handle that's what, that's what everybody's, that's what everybody's, uh, focus and goal is in coaching is to be a head coach. Otherwise, what do you want to be an assistant forever? Well, no, first of all, stop denigrating assistants. There are plenty of lifetime assistants that are great coaches that make all sorts of differences with well, not just uh, kids in college and players and offenses and or defenses or whatever and help out. And that's what they want. I'm not saying that's Ben Johnson at all. And you're right. Most coaches, you're right. There's do, some lifers. Most right. coaches do want to be head coaches, but a lot of coaches and a lot of human beings in general have a fair amount of self-awareness, a lot more than you give them credit for. And you you you, you got to understand, you don't just grab something because it's out there. There are coaches that turn down offers every year in every sport because they don't think it's the right opportunity or it's not the right timing or something else is going on. There's all sorts of reasons for that. It's not just money. Sometimes, I will say this for you, let, let's say someone like Sean Payton is in a different boat. He he needs certain things. He's already an established star coach and he probably wants, you know, uh roster control, basically the GM like Bill Belichick is and, and these kind of guys, right? The top level. He doesn't want somebody overlook looking over his shoulder. He wants con full control of that team, right? That's what that level of coach, a young guy like Ben Johnson, he's in his mid thirties. He's only been a quarter for a little while. If he gets any, any opportunity to be a head coach, the, the pay isn't going to matter. He knows he's not going to command top dollar right now. He's not going to have roster control. He, there's no way that he would expect that. What he does need is an opportunity. And then he will, he, he knows he can take that opportunity. And this is what happens with most coaches. Most of them don't have roster control and they'll grow into that as they succeed. There's no way that, I, I mean, the, the chances that he interviewed at these three places with these three places, virtual interviews, by the way, uh, that he interviewed with them and that all three of them just didn't meet his standard for whatever reason. And he decided, no, no, it's I not the more standard. I'm it's coming not the back. Standard. I have unfinished business is ridiculous. He told Carolina he was going to stay right. He was the front runner. That. That's the report right now. 
So that's what I'm going to go on because you know, these reports are generally pretty true. It's he's with, saving with this face. Guy. He's trying to save face. Taking why, his head why, out of why, the ring before what, it gets out. What face he does he have to was turned down? What face does he have to? Because see? it looks bad. Does it look? Does, Who does it, it look, look bad better? to? Who does you think it, it look better to? if you if you get turned down for a job or if you say no no I'm not ready yet? Who does it look bad to? Only the most cynical among us would think that. Most people don't care. You don't. God. Oh, sweet they lord. Don't. You Sweet think you Lord. think people care that he looks bad? That's ridiculous. That's not how human nature works. How I mean, do you I think I, Aaron look, Glenn look, looks it. right now? It, Aaron Glenn is becoming a joke in the NFL as a Rooney Rule puppet. He's talk, everywhere. Now all you're the talking time. about something different, aren't you? You're talking well, about I'm the Rooney you, Rule. How does that look? What's that? How does how is Aaron Glenn's interview? That doesn't look? look bad to Aaron Glenn. That looks bad for the NFL, for the Rooney Rule, for the issues with that, for not having enough black head coaches. That's completely different. Now you have the worst. You have the worst defense in the NFL, and you're interviewing this guy, and he's going on interviews. It's a joke. You think he's going to get hired? What would the what would any fan base say if you hired the guy who was in charge of the worst NFL defense in the NFL? Uh, they think you'd be would, happy. Think you could they, sell that? They probably wouldn't be too happy. But Aaron Glenn, I mean, he did uh, uh, he did figure some things out. Now, I, I look, I get a part of that was Dan Campbell moving Pleasant out, right? But um, but the defense did get a little bit better. But you're conflating that that's completely different with the Rooney Rule and all that. But why would Ben Johnson think he's going to look bad because he's interviewing at 35 years old or 36 or whatever he is after one year of a coordinator that that's going to be a, sh a stain on his because image? he's are because you he's out the, of your he's mind? A hot, he's a hot commodity right now, and he needs to continue that perception. And it's probably, it's not just him, it's his agent probably telling him, you need to continue this. If you get shot down for these, people are going to start asking questions. Why did you get shot down? No, You're they're not, not asking questions about that. No, they're not. They're not going to start asking questions because a one-year coordinator is has no such questions a, about why has such work. a good job for the Lions that he's going to get interviewed. But for whatever reason, he's not ready or they're not ready or whatever. But the reporting says, by the way, that Carolina, again, was the front runner that he told them again that he didn't want to stay and what uh, that he didn't want to commit to that that he would he felt like he had to come to Detroit he, or come back to Detroit. Look, he's taking a small risk that if they don't perform well, that his star will diminish next year. There's no question. But you're gambling on yourself. You're talking about not having the confidence to lead. How about having the confidence to come back and say I can do this again? There's no question he can do it again. Let me ask you this: Who was the front runner for the Vikings job last year? I assume the coach that got it. It wasn't Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it it was Jim Harbaugh. Who do you think? Of course, he interviewed. He was the guy. He went there, and it all went sideways. Something didn't work. There was some something. There was some problem in 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 their understanding of the roles. Whatever it was, we're never really going to know for sure. A lot of different sort of uh, tales came out of that, but it doesn't look good, right? It doesn't look good when that happens for Jim You're Harbaugh. You're talking about a coach who is a former NFL coach, a very successful, you know, I mean, didn't win a Super Bowl, but got to one, right? In three straight NFC title games. You're talking about a, a successful co NFL coach with a track record as a head coach and a, a very good resume at Stanford and the school before that, San Diego State or whatever. University and, uh, of San Diego. Yeah, sorry. Terreros. Yeah, yeah. University of San Diego. Sorry about that. Terreros. And, um, and some success, obviously, at, at Michigan. I mean, he, you know, the back, to, the back to back part of the back to back years hadn't happened yet. But, but uh, that's that's incredibly different. And somebody who's been around the game so long, the game has changed, and so there's a perception. 
does his style work as the offenses change? I mean, you know, he hadn't coached in the NFL nine years. That's a very different circumstance. Not only that, you know, he, he's got, um, what's the, what's the right word to say about, how, about, Easy. about how to describe his, the way he presents and his personality. He's, he's got some quirks. acquired taste. Yeah. But that's one way. Just, <laughs> let's just say there's some quirks. He's quirky a little bit, you know, by all accounts, Ben Johnson, is somebody that presents well, communicates well, all that. I mean, you've been around him, right? I've uh, been around him. Now, yeah, what do you think? Do you think do you think he comes off as a head coach? Do you think he might? I think he's interview? young. I, I I think he's young, and um, and I think he's got to get a little bit more of a track record. That's why I did. I wasn't you. I just wasn't convinced he was going to go, and not just because other teams. I thought other teams would probably want to interview him because it's just how the system works. But I didn't know if they would be ready when the interviews came, and I didn't. I wasn't convinced that he wanted to do it. It's one thing to go interview; it's another thing to actually want to go do it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be at a certain place. You know, it's like Robert Sala. That that's another example. Um, now he ended up with the Jets. The Lions wasn't he the first choice for the Lions? Um, that was it the depends reporting. on who you talk to, but but uh, not really, as far as I understand. I mean, he was a sentimental favorite among fans. And yet again, it's the fan thing of, oh, local guy and all this. But well, I, I mean, I guess I it depends Campbell on the front what, you, runner, what you what you believe. Yeah, maybe maybe he was Who you talk but, to uh, and what you want to believe. And, you know, but at the time, you know, the Jets, uh, maybe the Jets look better for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it was going to be too hard to come home. Who knows? I don't know. There are all sorts of stuff. All I know is that every year there are coaches that turn down um either offers or don't let it get that far. I'm not quite interested for lots of reasons. And I don't think Ben Johnson has to worry about saving face with anyone. He's young. I mean, it'd be different if he were 15 years older and, and um, you know, desperate to go get a job. He's not. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to, I mean, I mean, he doesn't have it to me. It's, Trust me, man. I mean, you know, he doesn't have to answer as many questions about why didn't why didn't it work out? Why didn't you get the job? Why he can say, "Hey, I, I exactly talk to my uh, my uh, surrogate, Tom, uh, Sean Windsor. He'll tell you I wasn't. You know, there was just something that didn't fit about it. You know, never mind that Houston has the number two pick. Car- uh, Indianapolis has the number four pick. Carolina has the number nine pick. I can go pick my whatever quarterback I want. It's nah, not nah, about nah, the nah. teams. I'm not ready it's for not that. about the teams. It's not about the teams. It's about him. Listen, there there are lots of factors for sure. He's got a family. Blah blah blah. This and it's that. It's not Where the family. Live? I mean, maybe the family's stuff. part of it, but it's not. Yeah, that's not but, it. And some of it has to do with the fit. But I guarantee you that there's no way that there wasn't. If, if there was going to be an offer on the table, if he felt that was forthcoming that he would have turned it down because we've had that before. We've had guys like, you know, Josh McDaniel, who, who had the job in, I think with the Colts. Right. And he turned them down. He, he accepted it. And then he backed out for whatever reason. Um, It's rare. And that's why teams generally don't even officially extend an offer until the ink is dry on the contract because they don't want to look stupid either. Like what, you know, you turned us down. Why? Then there's questions about why do they turn you down? So it's like getting dumped. Whoever gets dumped has to answer the question. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't a show about saving face and all that. What this is, especially for somebody that's young, and this is it's not just football. This is true in general. And you you've heard this. You probably heard this when you were young. Go get the experience of interviewing. Right. Go through the process. I'm sure Dan Campbell encouraged him to do that. I would be shocked if he didn't. Of course. You know. Right. You got to go through that. Everybody process. should learn how to do it. 
get out there, see what it's like, see what it feels like to sit in a in an owner's office or uh, a general manager's office or or where, whomever or both, and um, and see what that feels like to sit in that seat and feel the weight of the possibility of running an organization, not the whole organization, but right running a team on your own. It's very different. So go get a sense of that. That's a valuable stuff. So he, he absolutely should have done it, right? If that's oh, his no ultimate question. goal, if that's his ultimate goal. I think I think Dan Campbell, and, and this is part of the reason that probably Aaron Glenn is still interviewing, is, you know, go get that experience. Maybe it'll work out. Even if it doesn't work out, you have that experience. You meet different teams, different, you know, leadership groups, owners, whatever it is. And maybe that does help. That was one of the things with Jim Schwartz, by the way, is everybody thought he was going to get a job early because he was a smart guy and everything and, you know, defensive genius, whatever. But he didn't interview well. You know, he was a little bit too, uh, I don't know what it was, practiced or he didn't he didn't come off as too natural. You get think he had these elaborate PowerPoints that he would present and it just didn't click. You know, but he had to learn that he had to go through a few rounds of it. Uh, but he also didn't have the best. He didn't have at one point the top defense in the NFL. You know, he wasn't resurrecting a quarterback's career and turning this team around and being a I mean, everybody in the NFL, you know, from from what we've heard is that he's legit. He's a legit offensive genius, you know, and that's one of the things with the teams interview them. You know, of course, they vet him by talking to other people in the NFL. The NFL is a small world. Like, what do scouts think? What do other people think? What do other coaches think? Do no, there's no with? question. That's that's that was my point about St. Brown and 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 being a star within the NFL. People, football people know that, right? But not the fans. It's because it is a very small world. No, you're absolutely right. The interesting thing about Ben Johnson too is that there's there's no like McVay came to uh, got to L.A. with uh, a similar sort of wonderkun kind of kind of vibe, right? But people thought about his system. I don't know that they, they think about Ben Johnson's system as much as they think about, and partly this is due to Campbell and the way he's kind of uh, talked about him and uh, uh, promoted him is, is the way he relates, the way he adapts to his people. I mean, there was a, there's a good quote from Panay Sewell about how, how much the offense is geared around what the capabilities are, the, the offensive players they have. And, you know, you don't think of that as a system. You think of that as, wow, somebody can really see, and then adapt and um, and then communicate how they want to adapt. And these are the things we've heard about Johnson. I'm sure this is what you picked up on from the players and from Campbell all season. And that's really interesting. And that that's not going to go away, right? That's not flavor of the month uh, uh, or flavor of the year system, is it? That's something fundamental in him. Yep. And I would think that that makes him even more appealing in the long you know, run. The thing, with, the thing with Ben Johnson, I would say, is, you know, I, Sean McVay is a good example because he comes from NFL bloodlines. John McVay was his grandfather, longtime GM, I think, for San Francisco. So he already has that bloodline in him. And if you talk to him, he's like a little pit bull. He's like a little terrier. He's like, you know, very, very aggressive and, you know, uh, uh, engaging. Um, you know, I don't know if he learned that or if he was just always like that or honed it or whatever it was. Uh, ben Johnson is just not that way. No, you know, it's not. and I think it's going to take an owner uh, to see past that and understand. I mean, if you've been to Lions games, you know, at Ford Field or wherever, it's interesting that he's as the offensive coordinator. What generally happens is, you know, you're guiding the offense, and when the team, you know, punts or whatever, mm -hmm. and they come off the field, 
uh, the coordinators often talk to the quarterbacks because they're the ones who are talking to the quarterbacks, relaying the plays. And there's a dialogue and they go over sit down with their whatever tablets and go over some plays and blah, 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 talk a little bit. Ben Johnson doesn't do that. He walks over to the bench, to the defensive bench that's empty now and goes over there and he starts looking at his, you know, at his stuff, his notes, his tablet. He's sitting off by himself. It, you know, his mind works differently. It's almost like a beautiful mind thing. In fact, people have actually joked about that. It's got kind of a beautiful mind attitude. Um that's a different kind of a person that you have to be comfortable with. And maybe I'm guessing that's what one of the issues was, is he just didn't come off as this polished football-y type guy that would make everybody happy, the owners to present him. Man, this is our guy. He's, you know, whatever. Uh, he's going to lead our team. He's going to be the face of our team. You know, strong guy, strong leader good spokesman um and you've been to his press conferences sean he's he's a quieter guy he so is he's not rah, rah, he's not rah rah but he's plenty right. polished he, he's not stumbling he's not stumbling over his words no and to a man in, in, in the offense of the offensive players for the lions speak about how good he is at communicating with them so right that right. speaks to one and two how how good he is at getting them ready to play so there is some there are some there's some motivational skill in there too, and by getting ready to play, they don't just mean diagramming and laying out the whole plan because the you know you plans go awry three plays in sometimes right or one play in, but uh, so no I, I I think he's I think he's just young, and um, he's got to figure this out a little bit and and he's got to learn uh, there there's some leadership stuff right that he's gonna have to figure out at some point because it's it's the, the those seats are. The gap between the coordinator and the head coaching job is a, uh, it's a big gap, isn't it? In terms it of leadership, it, it can be for someone who hasn't had the job long enough. And, and you know what? They throw a lot of stuff at you in those interviews. You know, hey, if there's an arrest for this, what do you do? If there's this problem with drugs, if there's domestic abuse, if there's, how would you handle this? And you better have a damn good answer for that. And you shouldn't. Well, uh, you know, you you have to know how that stuff works and how you'd handle it. It's it's a tough it's a tough job. No, though. it is. And I would bet he was prepped by Campbell. Um, and oh, I'm sure he had tons and, of and, prep. And, yeah, and some other people who leaned on it. And and I would also bet that um, his agency, the agencies, prep them. Yeah, no, these. no, it's like it's like debate prep. No, that too, that too, for sure. I just think that um, I I would bet you, as much as Campbell supported him to go out and do this. And because, you know, he's a guy that that had that with Sean Payton, right? So he's had some of that. I would bet you he also has said, hey, you know, if you stay, if you decide to stay or you want to stay, we can add some things. You can you can think about uh, head coaching. You can not shadow him. It's not like he's a, a an intern. You know what I mean? He's, his, <laughs> his, his role is is vital and incredibly valuable. But um and what he brings, but I, but I would bet there's some of that, right? You stay one more year, and we'll have you look at the organization in various times and spots from a different angle, and think about that for the, you know what I mean, and, and learn. And I think that could be really valuable too. That's possible, but you you also have Deuce Daly, who is officially the assistant head coach. He wants to be a head coach. You have Aaron Glenn, who wants to be a head. You know, I mean, I'm sure Campbell has said this, right? I'll do anything I can to help him or any other coach. You know improve themselves, get better, get these opportunities. That means something to him. I have no doubt that if Ben Johnson wants that, that Campbell will help him. In whatever yeah, I don't mean can. responsibilities as much as just the opportunity to think about it a little bit differently and pay attention in different ways, you know, sure. um, when 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 you can. And by the way, Aaron Glenn, 
to me, just needs a good year. And I, I mean, if the defense takes a big leap next year, I don't know if they will or not, but if they do, then that'll get him more interviews uh, next year. We'll see. That's just how sure. it works, right? He has, a, he has a great reputation in the NFL. He played a long time. And a lot of a charisma. Really a lot of charisma. Uh, yeah, he's he's got some charisma. Um, he does. He does. With I the was, players. Yeah. I was disappointed. And this is what's interesting, by the way, going back to Hard Knocks in, this, in the summer. You know, they showed uh, Aaron Glenn leading a team meeting. They showed Deuce Staley leading, leading a team meeting. They didn't show Ben Johnson leading a team meeting. Either he didn't or they didn't want to put it out there that this guy has head coaching capability. Um, uh, and I, you know, everybody, you know, Aaron Glenn, AG, everybody talks about him and everything. Uh, I have never been in a team meeting with him, but the one they showed in Hard Knocks was unimpressive. It was uh, it was underwhelming for a guy who's got to stand up there and give a team talk. Now, a lot of them are not a lot. Even the head coaches who give them that's. You know, these, you can see these players like we got to listen to this again. You know, kind yeah, of raw stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, he's he's well regarded. But he needs a he needs talking about somebody with seasoning. He needs a few good seasons under his belt. You talking about Glenn? Glenn, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just one year. Look at Johnson; it's just just had the one year, and it no, he, but he doesn't have a track record of having one of the worst defenses for two straight years. No, for sure. Although they got better, you, yeah, but you could look at it. If you take if if they were really good next year defensively, then you would say, okay, over the three year course, they in the middle of the second year they started to get better and started making plays and went eight and two, which the defense was part of. Obviously, they were, and I know they were opportunistic, but and they're really good the next year. So, in any case, look, man, we need to we need to take a break. We can't be uh, because we're basically just arguing how we see human nature here. And we're using Ben Johnson as a as a as a proxy, <laughs> and uh, and that's enough of that. We're listeners, they're already sick of this. We need to take a break and uh, give them a chance to to uh, take a break from us and uh, <laughs> listen to some sponsors. And we will be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we were just talking about how when you're 18 and you're really good at basketball and you. Um, want to make the leap, leap straight to the NBA, which you're going to be able to do at some point, I assume. And uh, and it doesn't work out. You say, should you have gone to college? No, actually, we weren't talking about that at all. That, that's just a, <laughs> You were talking a, about it in your own head, yeah. It's just another uh, another analogy for the, the Ben Johnson stuff. All right, now that the Lions have Ben Johnson, so they're going to win the Super Bowl next year? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, so they're going to win the course. Super Bowl. So, so we like to do this, this little mental exercise. Fans like to do this too. Uh, hopefully, some of y'all do this. Uh, as uh, some of the listeners out there do this, Carlos, I would, I would imagine, kind of thinking about um, because we've had such a drought. Uh, what six years with all four poor teams, all under five hundred? Uh, I think the Lions nine and eight record is the first. It was the first time since two thousand seventeen somebody was over five hundred for a winning with a winning record and that was actually the Lions in 2017 but um probably they were at 9 and 7 would be my guess off the top, off the top yeah. of my head Jim Caldwell yeah 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 in any case um yeah other than that little blip there with Caldwell yeah it's been a the nine days 9 10 year drought for all four pro teams um longer for a couple of them and um and the last couple of years is we've had new coaches, new general managers, you know, rebuilds where the organizations are saying, yeah, we're in a rebuild. 
we thought about, okay, who's the closest to the playoffs? Who's the closest to, to being a contender again? That sort of thing. And we were talking about this about a year ago. And uh, most of us agreed that the Tigers, we thought the Tigers, based on their season uh, ending run the year before, I don't know, over the last 60 games or so, and the success they showed under A.J. Hinch. And uh, that did not happen. So I think it's time to uh, reset that, man, and and think about who's first and second and third and fourth. I think the obvious one is is first, but, uh, but what say you? Well, you, I think you have to go um, with the Red Wings, you know, and and um, first, first or 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 no? I mean, the Lions first. Okay, okay. There's no to, question. Yeah, about that. Make, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that, by the way, that's going to be a fun uh, thing about this next season for the Lions. Is there's going to be the expectations going to be oh. sky high? Oh, and now how do you handle those high expectations? Right, because the Lions are good at being lovable losers sometimes, but. They don't do great with high expectations. Um, uh, so that'll be fun. Maybe, hey, maybe maybe this is a different thing now with this regime. But but they're clearly number one. There's no question. Um, How are fans going to handle that expectation? You know, especially if they don't meet it. I, you know what? And the Ben Johnson, the Ben Johnson reaction from what I saw in, e, you know, comments and emails and social media, there was this kind of like relief of like, Thank goodness that he didn't go. Is this really, is this really happening? Is this exactly. are we able to get? There was so much yeah. relief about it. Like, do we really deserve this? You know, they're not. Are we worthy of this? Is it? No, you know, true. is it okay to believe? It's totally so, true. That's going to be, you know, and, and it, it, it'll be fun to see if they're able to uh, give the fans what they want and, frankly, what they deserve. Because this is a tortured fan base. Uh, but if they don't, that's also going to be fun because it's going to be the Titanic hitting the iceberg. So, um, you know, maybe not fun, fun for the people on the Titanic, but, you know, fun when you're in the movie theater, I guess, and watching Leo and Kate. But, uh, yeah, so so that's going to be that's going to be adds a whole new layer on of interest on this on this team. Um, but number two, who do you who do you think? Who do you got for number two? Well, first of all, uh, I, I was just thinking about this, uh, trying to think of a similar situation uh, in this town where a team showed a lot of promise. And the, I mean, I guess the Tigers showed some promise uh, three, two years ago, right, uh, at the end of the season, and which is why people yeah. were, you know, Alavila was in spring training last year talking about, yeah, we, we expect to make the playoffs. Inch was saying that too. And then it just, it just, the bottom fell out. So I guess that's a pretty good example. Well, let me let, let me just say this about that, you know, about that after the 2021 season, right? Is I think we talked about that. Uh, I think you you mentioned something about that we were asked to write or guess or whatever pontificate in the free press about who is the next closest to getting into the playoffs. Well, that that didn't mean that anybody was necessarily close per se, but who was the closest? You know, like. Are you which one of us is closer to being, you know, most handsome man of the year? And well, you are. Magazine? Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly. That's, yeah, that, that's what we're talking about here. Not is it really true, but how close who's closer than the other? Uh, that was the that was the issue. And I don't I never thought the Tigers were close to making the playoffs. But yes, among the other in that in that four horse race, they seem like the closer team. Well, in fairness, though, I mean, they did play at a, a playoff clip for the last, for a good chunk, what, 50, 60 games? 
something like that. They ended yeah, the, the last sixty I mean, games. Yeah, they. I mean, that, they look like close to a playoff is not one hundred and sixty-two games. No, 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 no. But the, but for a third of the season, they played like a playoff contending team, and I think so. It, it wasn't that people thought they were a playoff team the next year for no reason, right? I mean, it was based on and you know i think there's probably a little bit of anxiety with the lions that in that way because it's based on half a season now uh, you wow. know the, the, the tigers was a third of a season so i mean they went eight and two and again i know you don't want to give them credit but ben johnson's offense was electric dynamic fun well, exciting. yeah no one of the and, best in the nfl and it but was the all year didn't have anything it, like that it was all year right yeah the tigers did not have this incredible pitching staff this amazing bullpen, this power hitting lineup. No, they, like they, the Lions have the offensive line, right? I mean, they they that position group is among the best, in the, the very best in the NFL. It is, but just the offense as a whole is excellent, you know. And that uh, the the Tigers never had that. They never had one of the best offenses, or one of the best defenses, or one of the best pitching staffs. They played well together for less than a half a season stretch toward the end with um, young players that people thought uh were either yeah, coming some young were, players and everybody and, and let's not forget all a lot of the hype was spencer torkelson and riley green no like, for oh, sure here come the here, here come, come the, the young saviors. guys yeah when we already had these young pitchers who showed some flashes right i mean they they did and um yeah so no it was more projection a little bit but they had some young talent or at least what looked like young talent and then the injuries started happening and a whole host of stuff started happening. But um a couple of, you know, signings didn't work out. I remember remember the hype after Meadows was signed? Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. It was uh absolutely. You know, and then and then some people are thinking, well, if Tampa didn't want to keep him and they're pretty good at evaluating talent, what's going on here, right? You know, so not that they could have predicted um some of the issues that 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 Meadows had last season in any case um i wonder i'm with you yeah it's the wings it's got to be the wings yeah for the for the second just i mean they're playing uh, uh winning hockey right now right maybe not playoff hockey some nights they might yeah. play playoff hockey but um but they're playing winning hockey and they're better than they were a year ago and um i think they're more organized you know they don't give the puck away as much. There's there's not as many breakdowns. Although it's interesting because I saw a clip recently with Eiserman talking about the um, the defense and why so many games have such wild swings now. Why you know you know ten even five years ago, ten years ago, especially a two zero goal, a two nothing lead, usually meant you were going to win or at least uh, tie and and go to extra time or whatever and uh, or extra period and. And he was explaining that the fact that there are 32 teams that goaltending, he didn't say goaltending was thin, but that everybody wants goaltending. It's getting harder to find goaltending. He just released his goaltender, and um, which was interesting. Um, in any case, the fact that uh, the style of play has changed a little bit, he was saying there's so much more skill now and puck possession and um that teams uh, offensively have jumped way out in front of teams defensively. And so team and the hockey's trying to play catch up. It's funny. We don't think about hockey like that necessarily. Um, like we do with football when the off, you know what I mean? What offenses get and the defense got to catch in any case. So Iserman's trying to build this team as 
hockey is changing a little bit in the NHL and the way you win and the way you build contenders. And I think that's kind of interesting too. And I, I think that, uh, you know, so far it looks like he's up to this. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's been little doubt about Iserman and how he understands, you know, roster construction and, and all that, you know, uh, the big difference is Dirk Lalonde, you know, and that he came and, you know, I don't think Blaschel was a terrible coach. He had them in the playoff hunt in February of the previous year. Um, but they just couldn't, they they just weren't um their puck management wasn't good. They weren't they weren't being responsible no, they weren't both ways. Mm-hmm. And he talked about that, you know, and even during the season, Blaschel talked about it. We need to we can't sacrifice defense for offense. Um, too many turnovers in the middle of the ice, right? Too many turnovers on the in the offensive zone and the neutral zone, all that stuff, you know. And uh, and you're right about goaltending; it's hard to find. They've been looking for somebody. They thought it was Nedeljkovic, and now it's uh, you know Huso has been very good. He's been good, uh, but then you need two goaltenders, um, and so they're 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 struggling for that. The defense, you know, Cider's still young, very good player, but still young. I think I've liked who they've added on defense, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. They've had some injuries. Raymond's um, still young too, right? I mean, very young. Who is that? Raymond is still young too. Raymond's still young. Um, you know, they're they're they have some guys on the team who who have promise. Um and it's just going to take them. I mean, it's Lalone's first year. Um, there, there is improvement, but he knows what he wants. You know, he he knows what he's he's preaching, and and they're showing glimpses of that uh, style. So, but Eiserman's right. You add more teams, the talent pool gets thinner. Um, it's going to be more difficult, and and goaltending is always tough. You know, I mean, you know, as you know, I'm an Ellie Kings fan and they've had a guy in net for a long time, Jonathan Quick. They've been basically trying to replace him for a while. <laughs> and they had to, the guy they thought was their goal tender of the future, Cal Peterson, just flamed out and they had to release him. So you're always looking for that successor to your, when you even, when you find a great goalie, you got to, you know, be on the lookout for the next guy because injuries happen and, and guys get old and whatever whatever it is um so the wings are in search of that um but i think that i think that it all makes sense right now that that you know with their talent uh that they have some of the younger players some of the mix of veterans the young veterans um they you know the larkins and the bertuzzi's and all that um that i think if they hold on to those guys uh there's a there's a chance for them to if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think right now as we speak, they're probably a little too far out of the wild card spot. The Eastern Conference is tough. Oh, um, very tough. But I think they, I think that they'll be. I think that if they get if the, if they if they get healthier or stay healthier, they may get a little closer to a wild card spot toward the end of the season. They could. But I think next year they would have a chance. They could. I think the bigger picture too is is the the most important picture. It, it, you know, a lot of serious wings fans wonder about you know with dylan larkin right you mentioned bertuzzi too is a good goal scorer but um those two guys aren't aren't uh you know zetterberg and uh Datsuk. you know so so are some of the young guys gonna pop like that eventually because that's what we're really talking about you can't it's in like in any sport 
the 2004 Pistons being the example, it's really, really hard to to win everything because that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? Not just playoff contention on the margins. Although in hockey, you get in as an eight seed, you, you know, you can get some puck lock and, and move. But but uh, do they have the guys, do they have the high end, a, a one or two high, high end guys? They have enough guys who, who could get them to the playoffs. I mean, Larkin's a really good two-way player. No, he is. But to compete you know, for a cup, do they? Do oh, they for have, a, compete for a cup? No, they, do they don't have, have those guys right now. Do they have anywhere no. in the system potential? You know, because you need that, right? They so. don't have a Sidney Crosby or an Ovechkin or or someone like that. Um, they don't. Even, they don't have a Connor McDavid. They don't have a. Yeah, they do not have the roster right now. But that also let's not forget. You know, when the Wings were competing for the cup, they had key free agents. You know. At the trade deadline, they get guys who come and they either rent them or they re-sign them, um, but you add those guys. So, I mean, the Brett Holes and the Luke Robitaille and those kind of guys, you know, they come when the team is ready. Um, so it's hard to have a lot of homegrown guys uh, in your system who are those guys, but yeah, yeah they do not, not have that yet. Yeah, not a lot of them, but you need you need one or two, right? And, uh, and who I knows? mean, Mo Sider. Mo Sider might be. I he mean, might be the, on the defensive end. You know, and, I mean, and, the, and Raymond, the Kings, is Raymond... I mean, Good enough. I mean, not not now. I'm saying, does he have enough potential? I don't think. So. I mean, to be like a star guy, yeah, like a McDavid. He, no, he, no, no, he's no, not going to no, be. No, that. nobody's like McDavid. But yeah, no, right. That's the thing. Can you no. be? Um, yeah, I I think in the yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's too hard to. I don't think I don't think they have that right now. But the one hope is. Uh, you know, like like the Kings, right? The Kings won two cups. A lot of that was uh, a big part of that was Drew Doughty on the blue line, and they have Mo Sider. Can Mo Sider be Drew Doughty? Can he quarterback? You know, the power play. Can he? Can he be that? You know, that hard grinding guy. I don't yeah. know. Maybe he'll grow into defense. that more. Yeah, yeah, he might be. No, he's his ceiling seems to be as at least in his role as high as anybody's in the organization, right? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, he, he could have a very. I mean, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. So I, I'm with you on in terms of just the the, the playoffs. Um, you know, cup contention is a little bit different. Obviously, their moves that I'm sure Eisenman's thinking about and players he's probably thinking about and wish lists and all that that we don't know about or we haven't seen yet. But uh, but I'm with you on that. Who, who's your number three? Oh, I mean you. Right now, I would, if if Cade Cunningham were healthy, I would say it was the Pistons. But his injury and how long it's going to take him to come back from that and be the player he was, and not only that, but take yet another step and become even an even better player. Um, but the NBA, in the NBA, if they get that French guy. Uh, in number one whatever his name is i'm sure one of our someone can help us remember that name but um you know the nba can turn on a dime right if you get one or two players in the draft if 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 you win the lottery all that stuff but before that happens um i'd have to say that the tigers would be closer in some way because you have if you have health from Riley Green, if you if if Torkelson, you know, finds his stroke and and can hit, um, you know, uh, if Spencer Turnbull comes back from his injury and throws another no hitter, gets to that level again, 
um they have enough pieces um and the the al central still weak um they could i would give them a better chance than the, the pistons are just such a question mark right now because of cunningham yeah, the problem with the the Tigers too is the, the you know the Tommy John right the, with Mize and um, yeah, I mean what's Google going to be? I, I, I it's it's the young pitching is um, is always a question mark because it's young pitching, but it's a, really a question mark because of the injuries now. So you you, you your point about Torkelson obviously is a, is a good one. You, you, don't know what kind of hitters he's going to be. God, it's so hard to project. These two sports, to me, are the hardest to project. Maybe that's just me, but um, it just oh, seems yeah. like baseball and hockey are. You got to wait for the drafts to pan really, out. Really, 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 really hard to project. You know, football is probably the easiest, although that's not easy either because you have three years of college ball, and and I know that doesn't translate to the NFL, uh, obviously, in a lot of ways, but. Um, but with hockey prospects and baseball prospects, yeah, they're just stashed away, and you're just and you know basketball is hard to project too. Obviously, the draft is uh, just go back and look at the draft every year, and you can, and you can see um, how many how many guys uh, don't turn out from the top, and how many guys from the mid late first round end up being an all star. So happens every year, but uh, that's a tough one, man. Three and four, I. Yeah, the Cunningham, the Cunningham injury really, really hurt um, everything, especially yeah. his development. You know, you, you miss that second year at that age. That's really tough. Um, but, you know, other players have, have survived it and come back. And, I mean, uh, I don't want to compare him to Steph Curry, but Curry's a great example because he had all those ankle issues when he was young. And, and uh, when his rookie deal was up, there were a lot of people in that organization in basketball that didn't, you know, I'm trying to remember what he signed for, $48 million in four years or something ridiculously low number. But people thought it was crazy at the time. Like, you really want to invest in a guy that can't stay on the court? I don't know that we're going to get there with Cunningham. Um, from what I read, and I have not been around I think he actually talked. The team's in Paris right now as we're recording this, and I think he spoke for the first time since his surgery in Paris, and and apparently this is something that's been nagging him and dogging him on and off for a while, last year included. Oh. Right? So, and maybe even going back to his college days. So maybe missing a year and getting that surgery on the, the fracture in his leg would be... Maybe it'll be a, a great thing for him in the long run. But in any case, yeah, losing him, really, really, it's it's tough to tell what they've got. I don't know about the young guards. We don't want to sit here and break down the whole the whole roster and the whole team. We can do that on another show when we get Omari in here. But um, I would say, oh, God, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe the Tigers at three. Yeah. I just, I just. Basketball, when you say it can turn on a dime, what can turn on a dime is you can get a really promising young player on a dime. But even when you get a promising young player, I mean, Jordan didn't win until six years, seven years in, right? Uh, LeBron took how many years? I mean, you, you, that's great when you get a star, but then you're talking about another half a decade before you're really competing, right? 
but just so, making the playoffs is what we're talking about. Just yeah, the yeah, the Eastern like hockey. Like it's the easier NHL. to get in the playoffs in NBA than in, than in baseball. So right, right, but it's like, it's like the NHL, right? And the and the and it's actually similar right now. The the NBA the it's even Eastern easier with the playing game. The Eastern Conference in the NBA is super deep too. And there's lots of good young talent. In fact, the power dynamic has shifted from the west to the east for the first, you know, first time in a long, long time. But in any case, uh, yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, if you do, if we're just talking about the playoffs, maybe the Pistons. I don't know, man. They, I'm, I'm, it's they're banking on the the French guy. Is that what you're saying? French guy. <laughs> well, uh, I think I'm gonna go with the the, the Tigers. I just, I just think the Pistons are. They've got some talent. They got some young pieces. I'm not sure how they fit. Um, maybe K comes back next year and is a revelation, and maybe they get lucky in the lottery and boom, it all comes together. Yeah, I mean that's possible. That's what you mean by turn on a dime, right? Or he comes back next year and it's uh, one by Giannis' team. Like, listen, Sonny, this is how it runs now. I'm, I'm the top dog here. Yeah, or they get another player and come in and play well as a rookie. And do, I'm not trade Cade. Yeah. And um, who knows? Who knows? But uh, I would say the Tigers. I know that probably sounds crazy. It 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 sounds you know, and that's the one thing with baseball too is you you never know. You know, health is part of it. Um, as you know, I'm a Dodgers fan, and every year it's the whole health thing with Clayton Kershaw and and when Rich Hill was on the team, and you know, different things and and how how the manager manages his staff, his rotation, playing time. Um, you know, uh, it, it can it can all come together. Um, the Tigers have not shown us a lot of promise, but uh, but the Pistons are such a it's just such a question mark. You know, it's, they are, and I and I don't like the way they compete a lot this year. You know, and I hate to say that. Um, I respect the the staff; they've got a t- good track record. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens as the year goes on. And again, you lose Cunningham; they've had some other injuries. It just they're. You know, Jaden Ivey is all over the place as a rookie. And the the, the best part about this year and, and since Cunningham's gone down is the development of Killian Hayes, who looks like a real Your guy. Rota- yeah. Looks like a real rotation player and um, probably their best perimeter defender and just playing with so much more confidence. And it makes me wonder now how good he actually might become. Who knows? I mean, the, again, sports is littered with stories of people that figured out three, four years in and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be that. But he's certainly shown he's an NBA player this year. Other than that, though, man, they they have lots of nights where they just – it's kind of like the Wings last year. They have lots of nights where they just don't compete. And I get it. You know, Eisenman's point about the skill and hockey changing in the offense. The NBA scoring at record paces this year. It's harder than ever to play defense. So you're going to have nights where you look like maybe you're not competing. But I do think there are just lots of nights where they're, they're just not – there's no oomph. And uh, and and that's a that's a question for me. Yeah, no, it's legitimate. I mean, it's it's very uneven, and that has to that uh, that's something that probably shouldn't matter if Cade's not on the court. If you don't have your star, you know, no, it that competitive level should be there. You know, as as your your boy Tom Izzo could tell you, competing against Purdue the other day. You know, even without your your guy Hall, um, it should still be there. It 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 should be no. You're right. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Michigan State because they they their last couple of years now. I don't the COVID year was weird, but but last year in particular that yeah they they were uneven with their compete level a little bit, which is unusual for that program. But um, 
but yeah, no, it, it, it matters. And I think that that matters in hockey and basketball more than any other team sport. Well, I mean, you could say football too, right? But football's so physical anyway, you have to bring a certain amount of compete level just to survive <laughs> and not get hurt, right? Yeah. Not get killed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of built, <laughs> it's sort of built into that game. You get out on the football field with, eh, then you're, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> Well, they you do you do see. I mean, and 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 this is one thing. I hope the fans it resonates with them. But I have noticed, you know, even in the the Matt Patricia era, their tackling was better. You know, for a long time, that tackling was not good. Some no, fundamental stuff like I was even shocked. Like this is the NFL. You guys should need to be able to take better angles and 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 compete, try a little harder. You know, because. You know, the, the secondary guys don't really love to tackle. Um, and I think that's been a consistent thing that we've seen the last few years under two different regimes that they've gotten better at, at least that. Maybe they're not as skilled as they hope they would be, but the compete, the the effort is there. It's it's really amazing how often you hear and, and it's interesting with baseball, too, because obviously there's a compete level in baseball. You don't think about it as much because it's such a game of skill. But um but yeah, the compete level in baseball can mean, are you going to, Leland used to talk about, the, a lot of old baseball guys used to talk about this, are you going to give away in a bat? Are you going to go up there right. and focus and not just, yep. oh, I'm all right, I'm just swinging. Yep. Are you going to focus and try to, so yes, there's a compete level in baseball, that's one of the ways. But yeah, hockey and base, basketball, how many times do you hear coaches, especially after losses, talk about, and even players, well, we just, we didn't compete. It's so true. With football, you often hear, well, we didn't execute. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. It, there's because there's an assumption that you're competing for the most part. Right. But uh, yeah. we, we just we weren't able to do this. We didn't. Our technique. It, our, it is different in the NFL and football to say we didn't compete. There's this indictment for yeah. some reason that it's not true of the other sports. Oh, we just. And I think it's because it's they play so few games. It's like this indictment on the the coach. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. Yeah, the team. Are you saying the team quit? You know, like, well, you got a whole week to build up to it, right? That's yeah. A great, so it's, it's a great and, but point. But it's true. It's true, though. It's like, and Campbell's even mentioned it this year. Like, we weren't as up. I, we had a good week of practice, but we just weren't as up for this game or didn't whatever. He did. He mentioned it after the Carolina game in particular, and that was more. The, yeah, that was sort of compete, but also focus. And you know, obviously, yeah. they struggled to, to stop the run that day. But it, well, I think the interesting thing about basketball and and hockey for fans is that they f fans of those sports can see fairly easily when their team is not right. competing because right. they know what it looks like when they are. Yeah. And it's hard to sort of describe it, right? It's yeah. hard to articulate it, but you know when you see it. And that's the one thing, and and I hate to put on my Sean Windsor hat. It's it's uh, uncomfortable for me, but well, you giving can be a coach, yeah, yeah, it, it giving the players, you know, uh, credit for sometimes it's more than just competing. I mean, Frank Ragnow this year played on one foot, basically. He had yeah. this massive toe problem, and he didn't miss a game. You know, he and I think that's one of the quiet reasons he made the Pro Bowl this year even though i don't know if he had his best year but when you consider what he was playing through to play at that level um you know and, and you never know what athletes are going through what's bothering you you would just think oh he's just not chasing down that 
that deep fly ball to the to the gap or he's not tackling or he's not whatever you don't know what they're dealing with sometimes and they're not going to broadcast it so you sometimes think it's you know it's a competitive thing or an effort thing but you don't always know the story so it's a little hard to, sometimes when when guys appear to not be trying and people are judging them harshly no it is and you're you're right you sometimes you just don't know you can generally tell though when it's the whole team right because you know, or or if there are a few and right, it sort of yeah. bright drags the whole whole team down in hockey, or you know how how quickly are they chasing the the, the puck into the corner? Right in basketball, how quickly you're rotating out on on a, on a shooter in the corner? If you just kind of see that ah, that kind of couple of steps and barely raise the arm up to contest, you can just tell. And it's the same with hockey. You can just is there that little extra giddy up as they're trying to go chase? And right. uh, in any case. I don't know how we got onto this, man. But um, so let, let, let's let's we need to take one more quick break. But before we do, let's just say what you got: Lions, Red Wings, Pistons, Tigers. Is that yours? No, I got Tigers, Pistons, Tigers, Pistons. I can't believe I'm agreeing with you because uh, <laughs> because <laughs> you you're right. The light. Because well, because the NBA, you can. Let's face it, man. It's hard to win and all four of this. It's really hard to rebuild. It's really hard to get to the playoffs, even though we make fun of how easy it is in some ways. It's hard to get out of losing cultures. Um, the Lions are obviously doing that. The other teams are trying. So I, I don't know. But I'm with you. The, the, the Next year, let's see. The Lions will be at four and the Tigers will be at one. It'll, yeah, right, it'll, flip, exactly. it'll, it'll flip-flop again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let's take one more quick break. Be back with uh, your favorite thing. And uh, finish up Free Press Sports with Carlos Deshaun. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, Freak Beat Writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to more free press sports with Carlson and Sean. It's uh, your favorite part of the show, my man. It's time to for... talk about myself. Yeah. It's time for, well, <laughs> instead of just your opinions on the world. Now you're actually talking about your own life. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, time for my favorite thing. What you got? Uh, this was kind of a dumb one, but it was, it's kind of fun and, and uh, a little meta, but I think you'll enjoy it too, because I was just flipping around on the old streaming channels. And uh, I like the show Rick and Morty. The animated cartoon and i haven't i don't watch it all the time but i was catching up on i think it was the fifth season uh i think they're in the sixth now but i was watching the first episode of the fifth season and um they have this the one part of the show that was that made me laugh and i i just and i was watching it late at night so I, my wife is already in bed and sleep and i'm downstairs watching it 
and I had to control my laughter because uh, if anybody watches this show, they know how crazy and existential and metaphysical the whole show gets. And there's this one premise where I'm not going to get too deep into it, but uh, the boy, Morty, a little teenager, uh, he's ordered to go. They they have a house guest over and they have some cheap wine. And the mad scientist grandfather decides to build this time portal just so they can go through there and age the wine really fast. So that's all the reason they have this time portal. And they go in there and they discover this whole new world. And there's a character named Hoovy. He looks like a dog. He's voiced by Jim Gaffigan. Well, what they don't understand is that every time they go in the portal, like they're time jumping like decades, if not centuries, and they're messing with their whole civilization just by going and retrieving these cheap jugs of wine just for a stupid dinner guest. Um, And they end up like this little teenage boy ends up becoming this, uh, this, this villain to this whole civilization he has no idea it's happening. He just thinks he's going in to get some wine because he keeps dropping the wine and breaking the the jars of wine, the jugs of wine. But he be, he becomes this weird, like mythological creature. So much time passes that the civilization starts fighting with themselves about: Does this person really exist? Will this child ever return and make our life a hell again? And he keeps coming back, and but it just tears down the civilization. And the thing that made me laugh, and I thought about you, Sean, was how it all speaks to the idea of the internal struggle of how you create these, these one-sided fights within yourself of, I don't like this person, or I don't like this situation. Meanwhile, the other people in the, have no idea that this is even going on. They don't even know you exist. They don't care. Right, right. So it's, it's all about the internal struggle, but they did such a great job of, of, uh, of illustrating that, um, you know, figuratively and literally uh, I, it, it really made me laugh. So if you get to catch, uh, uh, season one of I'm sorry, episode one of season five on Rick and Morty. It's uh, it's worth a watch. Well, that sounds really fun. I um, I would say my I'm going to keep this simple and short. I um, have not cooked a lot <clears throat> the last several months. We've gotten into we we've cooked here some. Um, you know when you when your kids are gone to some degree, and I still have one who's around some, but um, you just. Your your habits change, right? You know the whole idea of dinner changes, and and these days with with inflation in the grocery store, some it's often easier to to get carry out. And, I mean, not easier, cheaper. Um, I mean, it obviously depends on where you're going, but um, but uh, the the to go get a salad, say at a, at a restaurant down the street, to go is often less expensive than going to get a bunch of salad fixings and dressing fixings. Oh, you know. If you want a particular kind of dressing at the grocery store, it's kind of amazing that that's where we're at. But we, it's just the economics of where we're at now. Not to mention all the other life stuff. So I just, I just haven't cooked as much. It's not necessarily money per se. It's, it's just Carlos. You just sometimes you get a little blue, or you get, you know, you're talking about internal struggle and so forth. And and the way I get back to cooking is usually you get to a point where you're like, okay, that's enough. Um, I need a little bit of therapy. Enough with the nuggets, with the Debraquette nuggets. I, I, I need a little bit of therapy, and um, and uh, and when I say not cooking, I mean we, you know you still do basic, simple stuff. But so last week I decided um, to make on back to back nights a lasagna, and then a pot, and then a pot roast. And the lasagna, the lasagna I make is probably three hours start to finish, and the pot roast is six to seven. Now that's not 
Wow. That, that's not standing in the kitchen the whole time. It's probably an hour to get it in the oven, uh, an hour and a half, hour or so to get it in the oven, hour and a half maybe. And then depending on the size of the roast, another three and a half to four in the oven braising. And then there's work after to to pull the veggies out, pull the roast out, take the jus, you know, boil it down, reduce it down. Rather, boil it sounds so crude, doesn't it? Uh, reduce it down and make make so anyway. There's lots of steps, but and it's a lot of work. But it 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 lifted um, it lifted the spirit, man. You get you get into this time of the year. I know we're not in the dog days of February. We don't even have snow, but uh, but I was just happy that I could still do it because sometimes you know you, as you get a little older you just think god there's things you can't do anymore and i know it sounds ridiculous to say can he still cook but making those kind of meals is an investment of time and you know the pots are heavy and there's a fair amount of prep and and um i was uh glad to see that i could still do that and they were both pretty delicious by the way and the best part then of all of it other than just the therapeutic quality of it and uh, the uh, fact that you tell yourself you can still, or you show yourself you can still do it, is that you, then you get to share. So you know, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, you know, friends, you you can deliver little little containers of lasagna and pot roast, uh, and that was that was actually the best part. Is taking taking food. Oh, here's a little here's a little lunch, here's a little dinner. So, yeah. I, I have to say, I, I, the one thing is I, I just don't believe any of what you said because you're having watched you and tasted your food. You're like a concert pianist wondering if he can still play chopsticks. Come on, man. You make brisket. You made you made some intricate stuff to think you can't make a pot roast and lasagna. Seriously. Come no, on. it's the mental it's the mental challenge of do you have the wherewithal to to do it physically and and mentally to do it and have the patience and um and just the strength you know when you when you get tired and you run down a little bit and you start feeling a little blue then all of a sudden even the simplest things like shaving feels <laughs> feels like a, a win you know what i mean it's true we and, uh, might have to have someone check in on you Sean. and it's hard and it's harder to relate to this when you're younger uh, obviously but you just you, you have points sometimes where you just even the simplest tasks you know True. feel like or the pile of paperwork on your desk and you get through those the relief that you feel with that vacuum in the house yeah you know the little wins yeah they just feel like minor victories yeah <laughs> and and the pot roast and the lasagna felt like a medium victory <laughs> so so anyway so that's my that's my uh that's my favorite thing. All right, my man, let's uh, let's get out of here, eh? My goodness, That's we did, it's time. We didn't even have a guest. I know. What's the matter? What's the matter with us? Didn't come up with the with the paycheck for Briquette to join us. Probably yeah, still I know. Asleep. I know. I know. All right, man, that was fun. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you. Um, uh, we're doing. We're doing. We should tell the listeners we're doing a somewhat similar version of the rankings for print, and uh, trying to have a little fun with that. Taking the podcast to the page a little bit. And uh, see, well, you know, we'll see what that's like. So check that out. Uh, I don't know what day that's going to run, but soon. Look for it soon at freep.com, you know. Yeah. Ho hopefully, if you're listening to this, you know how to get to freep.com. <laughs> give Sean some clicks. Yeah. And, well, no, give Carlos the clicks because it really. Oh, I won't even be on there. I, I it really a byline. It, it makes him feel better. Then he enjoys his, his life a little bit more, which is which is what we want. <laughs> All right, man. That was fun. Uh, who do we need to thank? Uh, one last thank time. One last time. One last time. At the top, let's do it at the top. Yeah, wait, let's do it at the top. We need to thank Free Press Editor, 
he doesn't have a does he have a title for the podcast actually i don't even remember yeah no. he's the executive producer i don't know that's just no because on Jeanette and kirkland. yeah and kirkland so yeah. peter batia our editor uh is unfortunately leaving the free press uh to pursue something else but um yeah he's been our leader for for several years we're all gonna miss him and he helped make this podcast possible and then on top of that we have robin chan and and uh andrew hammond our producers for the show and executive co-executive producers on janelle delgado and Kirkland crawford yeah so now that we have the thank yous out of the way thank you peeps um people hombres what what, what do you want to say dudes <laughs> dudes bros bros how about that gals rick, rick and morty bro yeah. everybody's a bro and rick and everybody's morty. a bro dude do that <laughs> in any case yeah no 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 thank you thank we definitely need to thank them we want to thank you though mostly for 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 and most importantly for listening for putting up with us for checking into the f- uh, free press sports podcast with uh, carlos Menares and me uh sean thank you um, in any case, you can find us where you find your favorite podcast. Uh, when you get to Spotify, when you get to Apple, give us a rating. Most importantly, though, subscribe, please. Uh, it's it's good for y'all. It makes it easier. It's good for us. It's good for everybody. And that's what we're all about. Until next week, Carlos. All right? Until next week. Until next week. All right. We'll be back uh, then with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean.